It's time to play the show. The bell has rung, and that big show might be over. But it's time for us to bring wrestling information you can enjoy with the match predictions, analysis, the ups and downs of professional wrestling, all reaction, some beverage drinking to bring you logic on tap with your good brothers. It's time for you to look into the eyes of Howard Blues and the Mark Kidder on Beer, Blues, and BS. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special wrestling edition of Beer, Blues, and BS, the podcast that goes extreme all the time, that it has to come with a parental advisory warning. I'm your host, Howard Blues, here, as always, with my co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, the Mark Kidder. Kidder, how are you doing tonight? Well, man, I am stupid. Wait, we already had the stupendous thing earlier. Uh, I'm doing okay because you're actually here live from Bismarck, North Dakota. Yeah, I mean... The south side of Bismarck, North Dakota. There are definitely going to be some people who click on that thumbnail expecting to see the first thing being, you know, just a solo shot of me and all of a sudden here there's the two of us. But yes, I'm here because, I mean, listen, the whole The Fiend... Bray Wyatt returning. It was enough. It drew my interest. Yeah. I, I wanted to see what they did. It garnered an interest, and the interest brought you here. Yes. Once again. And we're here to the, together again. As you said, the one night a year that WWE goes extreme rules for at least one match. Well, you know, but I'm okay if the event is called extreme rules. If, if, at least everything had stipulations. I mean, last year it was all normal rules. Yeah. There wasn't a stipulation match to be had, you know. So I'm okay if they're going to say, hey, it's extreme rules. We're going to put stipulation matches on everything, even if only one of them is extreme rules. Because if they were all extreme rules, I think it would get really boring. And as we saw with it, and we'll dive deeper into the review... They struggled with so many stipulation <laughs> matches. There was some lack of creativity at different parts of this this event. So, yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely some issues. And this, you know, is truly the first Triple H created pay per view. You know, I know we had Clash of the Castle, but that was purely, you know, like that was picking up the storylines as they were already running. This is kind of the first one that he's really had like the full build to and gets to shape where they're going. So it's interesting to see what he did with that. But Kidder, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves because we always do what's on tap. And we should be doing that. So, we should. So let's do it. Yeah. Uh, and we're both drinking the same. Because you brought some beverages. I did. So, so I it's uh, brought to you by Howard Blues. Yeah. Pop a can out here. Uh, yeah, so I was up at Cashwise uh, before I came down here. Um, I was looking for, um, if you are a regular follower of the show, you know I've been drinking these uh, Distilled Brewery uh, Wild Sour Series beers, and I'm in love with their uh, Key Lime Pie one. And so I went hoping just to pick up like a six-pack of the Key Lime Pie. They didn't have any, so I just bought the variety pack, which comes with three known and one wild card. Um, and we got lucky. We, we got the key lime pie one. But we're uh, here uh, on our second beer of the night having a Here Goes Nothing. 
which is a ghost ale brewed with coriander and sea salt, uh, 5.2% alcohol by volume. Um, and we, we've, I've reviewed this on the show before, but uh, Kidder, it's your first time uh, having both this and the key lime pie earlier tonight. Yes. So some, some, some thoughts from you, good sir. Oh, well, you got to support flavor and boycott bland. I mean, that's that's real good uh, things to live by. And if you want to visit them online, it's distill.com. That's D-E-S-T-I-H-L.com. Um, the French sea salt as well. It's not just regular sea salt. Imported from France. Oh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> got away from me there. We're getting a little cultured up in here. <clears throat> yeah, we can't do that. We might actually get somewhere with this show. That's a uh, thought. <laughs> this one, uh, the regular, is like a traditional sour ale. Very, very sour. So if you like sour, it's good. Uh, I think this is a, a good one. I'd give it a solid four. Uh, the key lime version of it, as uh, you have so thoroughly enjoyed and uh, shared with me this evening, I think that one has a slight edge on it, like maybe a 4.1, 4.2, if I'm really feeling generous. So I'll go four, solid 4.1 with the key lime, and this one a solid four. Yeah, I mean, this one isn't bad, but that key lime pie, just, you know, if you, when you read the description of that and they say that they've added lactose on it and it, and you're just kind of like, okay, this is going to be interesting. But they pull it off. I mean, that's key lime pie in a can and, and not in, like, the bad way, you know, like the Black O'Lantern, which is chocolate <laughs> pumpkin pie in a can, which also I was looking for for Kidder and they didn't have. So, dang. Shucks. What are you going to do? I, I know, man. I was hoping to bring it, and then we could have it have been like the penalty, you know, on predictions. But sure. they didn't have it. So dang, that's uh, that is a true Shucks. shame. As we get into, it. Uh, if you haven't ever seen the show, or at least one of our wrestling reviews before, uh, Kinder and I for years, we should really figure out how many so we can say, you know, like, eh, for the last ten years, I don't think it's been that, but for the last large number of years, uh, we 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 started this we just take predictions uh before the pay-per-view um this time we were calling it as it as it went because i was here and we've just kind of kept score and it's just kind of something fun to do all along and, and see how well we do with it helps pass the time yeah um and also this show is different because i actually got to see it uh, <laughs> i i have been absent from viewing wrestling for a while so it's a lot of times these have been kidder just recounting what happened and me listening and giving my thoughts about what I hear, but I actually was here. I got to see it. Uh, so hey, a rare occurrence where you get both of our opinions having seen these matches. So super stoked. Yeah. So let's get into this, uh, this review of extreme rules and uh, let's see who uh, came out as the big winner of the night. Extreme rules, 2022. Here we go. <clears throat> the first thing, uh, of course, I like to discuss is the opening video of the show. Because I'm always a fan of great opening videos, good graphics, that sort of thing. Which, the graphics, very good. I like how they've changed the Extreme Rules 
from last year when it was pretty gross with just the flat, like they didn't do enough to it. And then they fixed it this year, some laser beams shooting and just everything. So happy with that. The opening video is all right. I mean, Paul Heyman narrated it. So there's that. The spelling bee where they're asking the kid to say or spell the, the word extreme, even though it's spelled out on the sheet of paper that he's got around his neck. Really? Eh. I mean, I, I get the idea that they were going with, with being mm -hmm. able to, like, define it and use it in a sentence as a way to build up what is extreme. Um, mm -hmm. And the last line of it, you know, where they did the, you know, origin of the word and they said Philadelphia. I mean, that was a nice, a nice touch. And even um, mm -hmm. having Paul Heyman then appear right at the end doing the whole, you know, welcome to extreme rules. I, I liked those aspects. The, I mean, the yeah. gimmick of the spelling bee was a little, <laughs> a, a little much, but mm -hmm. yeah, could have been worse. Could have been a little better. Yeah, wasn't the worst. <clears throat> so there's that. They uh, also did not crack sixteen thousand people this evening. There were fifteen thousand nine hundred forty-four in attendance. So it's good to know that everybody who was there was either. Enough of people, so it was an even number, or everybody came in pairs. So, good. Nobody went home alone. <laughs> it's uh, your wrestling pay-per-view, buddy. Sorry. Premium live event. Your your PLE, buddy. Although, I will point out, Kidder Knight, I said pointing this out to you, that when you watch one of these premium live events, they always put up a warning at the beginning to kind of tell you not to pirate this and they haven't changed the language on that it still says pay-per-view within that warning mm -hmm. uh they might want to get on that you know some slackers <clears throat> mm -hmm. so maybe now we can actually put up clips of the show in our show as we review them and then when they hit us with the copyright claim we say no 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 we're, we're number one it wouldn't be pirating or copyright violating because we are discussing what is seen in the video and used for reference material as uh, the common media rules of the FCC. But it's not a pay-per-view, so we don't have to worry about it. I'm not going to tangle with the WWE and their lawyers. <laughs> Fine. So we'll keep doing it like we do. Well, let's get this damn thing rolling. Uh, first up, our commentary team as was announced right at the beginning, Michael Cole and Corey Graves. And the question on it, why are they here? Well, it's one from each brand, essentially now. And from here on out, as they said, it's going to be those two calling all of the matches on all of the premium live events. I mean, they're not a bad team, but I I will say it I, I'm fine with it. I would be more excited if it was Cole and McAfee, because I like that combination. I actually enjoy Pat McAfee's commentary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
uh, I'll live with it. I, Graves has just kind of gotten to the point where I just don't feel like he has added anything original. I feel like it's the same shtick all the time. Yeah, pretty much. <clears throat> there it is. It's it's Corey Graves. There he is. I uh, did happen to comment. I, I didn't have a chance to tell you, but I, I commented on WWE's post about their new lineup for the shows and the commentators who are assigned to those shows. And I said, man, it would be great if we could get Mauro Ranallo back, you know, the voice of wrestling, because then you would have a product that I would actually like to listen to. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. I know. I, I think Mauro has moved on. Yeah. And Good for him. Yeah, I mean, he's he's still, he's he's calling boxing, some UFC. He's mm -hmm. just staying busy. Mauro Ranallo, if you ever see this. Great job. We miss you in the wrestling world. Anyway, let's get on with the show. <clears throat> First match is an old-fashioned Donningbrook match. No, we didn't know what the hell that meant either. <laughs> eventually, and they didn't even really explain it much, but eventually I think one of the cutters like, that's right, it's a street fight. And <laughs> it's like, okay. Like an Irish pub street fight. Yeah, I, which is, I mean, it's it's fine, you know. It, it's just an excuse. <laughs> right, I mean. It, it is fine. So this one had the Brawling Brutes versus Imperium. Yeah. Yeah, and then this one, Kidder, we both took the Brutes. Mm -hmm. uh, I took them because I said, you know, we've seen uh, Gunther get two victories over uh, Sheamus, and then it just, this was a way to have Sheamus kind of get a, a victory, you know, that wasn't just on Gunter. You know, he could pin one of the other members of Imperium. Mm -hmm. Imperium could take a loss, but it's not going to hurt that feud. And yeah. It can probably extend it a little bit. Since it's been some excellent matches between Sheamus and Gunter. Mm-hmm. They're doing some work, and it's awesome. Uh, this match ended up being 17 minutes, 50 seconds. And right from the beginning, action. Yeah. It was good stuff, action-packed. Lots of spots. In fact, they did not even just brawl in the ring, the six people all at once. No, they each paired off and went their separate ways. Beat the crap out of people over there. Beat the crap out of people over there and then over here. So, I mean, they, they were really going to town back and forth for pretty much the entire match. Mm -hmm. A lot of false finishes through throughout, um, but action. And, I mean, for an opener, I mean, and the crowd was into it. I mean, crowd was loud, lots of action. It, it, it was it's one of those things, and I think you'll hear us talk about this as we go through. This was the probably the most non-WWE match on the card. And it's not because of the stipulation. It's not because it was a six-man street fight. It's just the pacing was different. Every other match on this card is going to suffer from slow pacing mm -hmm. that, that just fell flat because of what this opening match was and it was just 
They just put the pedal to the metal throughout. And it so many spots, so many creative spots. And and truthfully, a lot of you know realizing what the stipulation is and going for it. I mean, we got to see, of course, the Seamus where he ties the guy up in the ropes and he's smacking Uter. He gets to 10 and he doesn't stop. He just mm-hmm. keeps <laughs> wailing away. And the 10 beats of the ballroom. The audience even stopped counting. They were so yeah. used to it ingrained. Like, we get to 10 and we stop. And then it's like, he keeps hitting them. And <laughs> ah, what do we do here? Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, you got to see some of that. Um, Pete Dunn in his brawling. I wish that we got to see more of his joint manipulation stuff because that stuff just looks painful and it it's good. It, but mm-hmm. I understand it doesn't quite fit with the current character he's playing, but saw it once at least for you. Yeah, a little bit. <clears throat> a little bit. But that is one of his better. The only other person I've seen who's done it kind of as well as him in a match is Marty Skrull, who I don't know if you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. He was he used to run around with the elite, and then the elite performed AEW, but Marty Scurll's contract wasn't up, and so he's... And then he got... He agreed to stay on, I forget which company he was with, but... Yeah. He's an interesting one. Sure. A couple things to mention of note with this is uh, the entrances, first of all, they were finishing the Brawling Brutes entrance, and the whole screen was interrupted by a part of the white rabbit video like a glitch for what five seconds maybe and then glitched back like nothing happened and then uh, a lot of hard-hitting spots as we mentioned lots of brawling lots of bruises tomorrow (laughs) it was really good the a uh, huge part about it that I enjoyed was the Celtic cross through the announce desk to basically end the match. Huge spot. Sheamus got uh, Gunther up onto his shoulders for the Celtic cross. Big finisher. Boom! Through the table. And then in the ring, the, the other guys were able to finish it. And... Your three count and the winners of the opening contest, the Brawling Brutes, again, 17 minutes, 50 seconds, while not taking away a lot of momentum from Gunther and in the Intercontinental title, but giving a huge boost to the Brutes, who have been mainly Sheamus, I guess, kind of sidelined because of the two or three losses in a row to Gunther. So, good match. Yeah. Um, in fact, I would I would go so far, Kidder. This is the match of the night. Yep. It's all downhill from here. But, I agree. But but this was definitely the match of the night. And it's not the others didn't have potential. They all had potential. None of them just lived up to it. So this was, yeah, the best. Mm-hmm. So that finished, and we had a WWE shop promo. Uh, Bianca promo, and The Miz gets interviewed in the back and gets interrupted by Gritty, who tries to give him a free T-shirt, who then wants him to put on the T-shirt over his suit. And then The Miz gets angry and 
throws it up, the t-shirt on the ground, stomps it like a dick. Yeah, the Miz is there uh, basically to talk to Triple H is kind of the whole story because they're going to be celebrating the Miz's birthday on Monday and he wants to talk to Triple H to try and get Triple H to keep Dexter Loomis from interrupting mm-hmm. the uh, the proceedings. So that, that's the Miz's motivation for all of this. Yep. And then we come back to the ring and we're greeted with the entrance of Ronda Rousey. Yes, it is time for Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. This match ended up being 12 minutes and 5 seconds too long. And I chose Liv Morgan. Mm-hmm. I had uh, Ronda Rousey in this because I've never been much of a Liv Morgan fan and it just never has made sense that Liv Morgan has the title and has defeated Ronda Rousey twice. Yeah. (laughs) So here we are. First of all, uh, Liv brought a baseball bat down to the ring with her that she customized and initially, Rhonda grabbed it and threw it out of the ring because they started going after each other. And then she gets booed for removing the weapon. So then they start fighting back and forth and eventually get the bat back and start whacking each other with it, but awkwardly. Uh, like, at least try and make it look real or use. I don't know, a kendo stick, something you can actually hit him with to make the sound and have the visual of, ah, mm-hmm. not a baseball bat where you can take somebody's teeth out. Well, and it, it doesn't help that, and again, I'm going to keep referencing why there are issues, but in the match before, we saw Imperium, I can't remember which one, because I never, the, the two minions of Imperium, I don't know who's <laughs> I haven't followed closely enough to be able to tell you. But one of them busted a wood shillelagh over Seamus's back. I mean, and this was wood, mm. and he cracked him hard, and the cameraman got hit by one of the flying pieces. But I think that was Giovanni who hit him, the yeah. bigger guy. Yeah. Because Ludwig is the, the skinnier-looking dude. Yeah. I can't even remember this one. But, but yes. anyway, you, you saw that in the opener, and now then you saw like some of the weakest, like hitting anybody with a baseball. I don't bat. have a pole around that we could we could easily describe it, but it's really it's really weak. And we even commented on the first match when he got hit when Sheamus got smacked with the the shillelagh. And I'm not even smacked. He got smoked. Because you could see the sweat from his back go shooting off to the side. And then the damn shillelagh broke in half. Mm-hmm. And both of us went, ah! <laughs> like, that's, that's got to hurt. And then he come to this match. And we wish that we could have fast-forwarded through it. Yeah, you had you had that. You had the weirdness of Rhonda having one of her shoulders up 
on the table and they started counting. Yeah. And then she had both of her shoulders, like they had a table at an angle. So it wasn't like the table was laying flat and she was being pinned on the table. This was at an angle, which mm -hmm. it just doesn't make sense because technically her shoulders are up. It would be the same as, as I said to Kidder, if somebody leans against the barricade and you put a foot on them, could, you know, could you count yeah. it out then? Yeah, I mean, of was, course, that's in a false count anywhere match, but you get the point. It's supposed to be pinned to the ground, shoulders down, right? The uh, you commented on it as well, but uh, Corey Graves at one point, uh, after some shots were exchanged, and he goes, "That looks ugly," and both of us, yes, yes, it does. <laughs> this match is ugly. Get it over with, please. Yeah, we had the awkward chair spot on here where they had put the chair in between the ring ropes in the corner to set up a spot, but it fell out. Yeah. And then so they tried to do the move, but they botched it. So they set it up and did it again and launched Rondo. So she would have gone into the chair, but now she just went out of the ring. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was bad. Uh, and then. Liv Morgan ended up putting Ronda Rousey through the table, which is how it broke, and then part of the the counting there on the edge of the broken table, and and then Ronda suddenly getting that moment of oomph, <laughs> turning it around, and then putting Liv into a submission, and Liv passing out, and... Ronda becoming the new SmackDown Women's Champion by submission. Yeah. Also, weirdest, like, it was a weird submission. It looked weird. They had Liv smiling through it. Yeah. Which was weird. It just, the whole thing. Uh, yeah, this whole match, like, I, if you were going to give it a rating, I, I mean, ugly is just the point. It was... Ooh. D for done. Eh, F for... <laughs> finished. <laughs> yeah. We're finished with it. That's yeah. 12 minutes, 5 seconds of our life. At least we didn't pay to be there. <laughs> uh, next on the, <clears throat> the list. Oh, this one's going to get you. Let me tell you. It's Karrion Cross with Scarlett and Drew McIntyre in a good old-fashioned strap match. Uh, that also, by the way, was after a DraftKings promo. Because, you know, something that we do, maybe you don't know. So saying you know is misleading. So what you don't know and what you will know now is that we here at the Triple B will watch for the DraftKings. And we say that in quotations because they don't actually sponsor it. But they sponsor everything else, so they might as well be. The DraftKings screwy finish of the night. And we will advise you if and when that happens. So stay tuned. <sighs> All right. This is the strap match. 10 minutes, 20 seconds in length. And again, Karrion Cross and Drew McIntyre in this uh, <clears throat> whole thing here. I believe I picked Karrion Cross. Uh, yes, so did I. So, being on the same playing field, here we go. 
McIntyre comes to the ring first, which you commented on, which, yes, is kind of a surprise because McIntyre, I mean, unless he's challenging for a title, typically comes out second or last because of his sword and the bigger entrance and whatnot. But uh, he's out first. Karrion Cross comes out with Scarlet. And then the mind games start right away. He doesn't want to put on the strap. McIntyre puts it on right away. He's tied up. He's ready to go. Karrion Cross uh, grabs it like he's going to put his sand into it and then throws it down. And the uh, official picks it up and yeah, put this on. And so he starts starts putting his hand through and then nope throws it out of the ring. And then uh, Scarlet comes over as their ref is arguing with him. Grabs a hold of it. Uh, Scarlet does, and starts yanking on it to pull McIntyre, you know, off balance and get him against the ropes. And Karrion takes that opportunity to start beating the hell out of McIntyre. And this is when things start going downhill. Yeah. It's a great idea. Like, a different, interesting start to a strap match. The problem gets to be is they go on a tour of the audience where they're going to go out into the crowd, basically make a giant square, come back in. The whole time, though, nobody is really getting an advantage during this. It's not like your usual beat down where, you know, what, like the heel beats down the face and the face has to kind of make an underdog fight to, you know, regain as the actual match gets going. No, this is like them just walking through the audience. Okay, it's my turn. I'm going to punch you a couple of times. Your turn. You're going to punch me a couple of times. Walk 10 feet that way. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, just kind of like no big spots during that. No, nothing new, nothing interesting. It was literally a walk with some punching and kicking. It just was bad. Didn't, you know, you didn't see Drew pick up the strap, which he's dragging this whole time and like hit cross with it. You didn't see anything like that. It was just punches and kicks, and they make their way back around. And eventually, Drew gets the upper hand and shoves the, or basically just puts the strap on, carrying across, the bell rings, and we're off to the actual match. But we've already wasted, gosh, and we don't know because it's not part of the official match time. <laughs> yeah. But it was probably a good five, six minutes on this, you know, and it, 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 you, they get into the ring, and it's like, okay. Now we're finally getting to the strap match. Yeah. Which wasn't great. (sighs) Oh, yeah. We're still talking about this. (laughs) Uh, Couple things to to mention. We'll just speed this along. Um, It was slow. As we finally get to the end of it, because they just whipped each other with the strap over and over and punched each other over and over. And there weren't any, I don't know, super moves. It wasn't, wow, that was crazy. It Just punching each other and going around the ring and slapping each other with the strap. Yeah, it, it, it lacked some creativity in that sense. Until... Basically, the end. Scarlet came into the ring in between 
Cross, and McIntyre. And she pulled out the spray bottle, as Graves said, law enforcement grade pepper spray, and sprayed McIntyre through the face, all over the place, all the way down. And then Cross is able to run over, and one, two, three, Cross is your winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she hopped in, interrupting him, uh, interrupting McIntyre before he did the uh, Claymore kick. He was setting up, he was doing the countdown to that, so you didn't even get that. Um, yeah, um, it, I, I will say, I mean, we we have, and I don't think we've changed our mind on this. This is your DraftKings screwy finish of the night, uh, for sure. Yep. Um, there is some other screwy shenanigans that happen later in the show, but meh. Uh, Not to this level. Yeah. <laughs> I will say they did a nice job with the selling of this, where they actually had the ref come in with a bottle of water and a towel and start trying to rinse out uh, McIntyre's eyes through mm-hmm. this. But, yeah, this was just kind of a meh of a match. It's just... I've never really been excited by strap matches. I see strap match and I go, "All right, so they they can't they can't get you know too far away." Now flipping gears on that because the dog chain match or the dog collar match, very similar, but the match with CM Punk AEW was a hell of a lot better. Yeah, I mean, you have to have some creativity and do stuff to make it interesting because you are limited. You know, you can't do all of your, you know, you can't get that separation. You can't do probably all the things you want to do. You know, you have to come up with creative spots. And these guys just lacked anything creative that they could do with that strap besides doubling it over and whipping each other with it. Or pushing them into the corner, pushing them into the the uh, steps on the outside, or the uh, commentary table. You know, there were some a few small things, but there was nothing huge, like what MJF and CM Punk did with that dog collar match. I mean, very similar, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it just it takes the right thing. Also, I don't know if this <clears throat> rivalry has earned this step. You know, yeah, it, it was very rushed to, to this point. Yeah, because Cross has been stalking McIntyre and hosing him on matches and things. But I don't know; they could have had a match at a pay per view first. Yeah, I that would help. It also doesn't help that they. They both kind of had beatdowns using the strap on the other one on the shows because they showed it in the video package. And I think that it's like, hey, you're using some of what you could do in this tour, the actual match. Yeah. So, yeah, this one was a <laughs> this one was a miss. So it made for two bad matches right in a row, and yep, yeah, it's a good break to go to the bathroom. But that's also coming. That was a hard thing, I will say, Kinder, throughout this whole thing because of the whole White Rabbit reveal. Like, mm-hmm. you just didn't want to leave because you didn't know where it was going to happen. 
you just didn't want to miss it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, um, was that that was the Liv Morgan round of Rousey match when I mentioned the 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 LEDs, wasn't it? The video boards, um, or was that this match? I think it's. I this. didn't. I didn't write it down. Yeah, but it was either last match or this match. Uh, of course, now WWE has filled the camera viewable side of the ring apron. Uh, not only the apron, but uh, also the back boards to separate the crowd from the uh, you know ring area. They have LED boards all over. All of the LEDs, uh, the LED boards, flashed to red for about five seconds in the middle of the match, and then came back to normal, and nobody mentioned anything about it. Again, just like the the white rabbits. Uh, digital promo that glitched in during the first match. All right. As we continue along, we had an Edge promo, and then we find The Miz once again backstage, and now he's on the phone with Maryse, and he's getting mocked by Gritty. And then... He beats the crap out of Gritty for mocking him. And then he leaves. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, now it's time for the first ever ladder match featuring a title for the women's division in WWE history. This is for the Raw Women's Championship. Your champion, Bianca Belair, versus Bailey, And, of course, Bailey, part of Damage Control, the new and up-and-coming group, or stable, if you will. And on top of that, <clears throat> well, huh, the whale, not well, the whale. We'll see if Orion comes back. Oh, he'll come back. <laughs> Orion came to visit and uh, he he brought the whale so this one was a whale of a match and by that being the first ever so you want to try and make it good we both chose Bailey mm -hmm. because I would say at least in, in my, my thoughts of it that I would think Bailey and damage control need more momentum being that they're very new uh the you know two of the three of them are now the women's tag team champions so they're trying to get momentum and i i would see that as as a good outcome uh, uh bianca's had it had it for a while and uh, if you did not uh, get a chance to watch our video of the house show review from uh, WWE Saturday Night's main event in Bismarck, go ahead and uh, watch that if you would. And you can see my thoughts on this match, but adding in Tamina, Tamina Snuka. So this... Essentially that match, but adding ladders. Mm -hmm. 
Um, your thoughts before we get into this 16 minute 40 second match? I, you know, I went with Bailey for the same reasons that you said. Also, you know, because she's part of a faction, you knew that there was going to be shenanigans. <clears throat> I'll, I'll say that, but I think you've covered the rest of that pretty well. Well, thanks. So, uh, they put ladders in the ma into the ring right away, which is always a good thing because you want to get up there and grab the whatever briefcase or belt to be done with it. Well, turns out they set up the ladder, they take down the ladder. They bring a ladder in, they take a ladder out. I've always hated that about ladder matches because you bring a ladder in, you set it up, and then... The opponent takes it down. What are you doing? It's the stupidest thing. No opponent would ever do that. Move it over to the side if you need to hurt your opponent or something. Like, why t take effort to take the thing down? Yeah. Why? There was a lot of issues in this one with setting up spots. Like, you could see that they had ideas, but then things weren't maybe in the way that they wanted it to be. So I got to take this ladder down so I can set up this spot. But because they were setting this stuff up, it felt so much more like everything was so planned and scripted, you know, that it, it didn't feel natural. Nothing that they did felt natural in this match. It, it, it felt... Like, okay, we're going to go over here and do this gimmick, then we're going to go over here and do this gimmick, then we're going to go over here and do this gimmick. <sighs> and a couple of the spots that, that I, I noticed were, uh, again, the ladders up and down, like set them up, take them down, or move it over here, bring in another one, uh, that sort of thing. Um, there was a little bit more intensity than the previous two matches because they were actually trying to do some things. Um, I The sunset flip by Bailey onto the ladder in the corner looked like it really hurt. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the uh, where uh, Bailey set up Bianca on the ladder, extended from the corner of the ring to the exterior point of the ring, and then Bailey did the the uh, macho elbow it kind of looked like she missed it partially and really hurt her elbow or something uh, that really hurt uh and then uh the latter part where uh, bianca belair is on the ground bailey puts the ladder over bianca and starts climbing it and bianca presses out of it that part was a little cheesy. Um, yeah. I mean, Bianca can bench press a lot, so I can see that. But aren't you supposed to make it a little bit more? Because she only got, I don't know, five steps up. Was, yeah. Wasn't even halfway up the ladder. Yeah. Well, and Bianca could have slid out from under. It's not like she was pinned. Yeah. And... It, it was really awkward to set that one up. Mm. Um, they did have one nice spot where Bailey kicked the ladder over in a nice way to, to tip Bianca off. Uh, that was great because so many times you see them just race to get up and push it over. And here she just kicked it just right a couple of times and it, yeah. it tipped. And that was at least 
different. Yep. But for the most part, the stuff you were seeing was it was a lot of classic spots, but it, it seemed like they were really struggling to mesh it together. <laughs> yeah. It just as I said, it's like they had ideas. Okay, we're gonna go over and do this, we're gonna go over and do this, we're gonna overdo this. And yeah, a lot of setup and such. Yeah. Side note, Landon sucks. Yes. Apparently. I don't know why Landon sucks. We were unable to ask the hard-hitting questions to that audience member, but the sign was big enough and the letters were large enough that we could see Landon clearly sucked. Uh, there was a moment in this match where an audience member did throw a sign at Bailey. Yes, and ended yeah. Up, ended up, um, yeah. And she picked it up and then looked at it and then threw it back down. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was good. Uh, let's see. The Finale, if you will, the KOD, of course, Bianca's finisher. Uh, Bianca ended up grabbing a hold of Bailey to put her into the KOD, and Bailey was holding on to a half of one of the ladders that had broken. And uh, Bianca picked Bailey up while she was still holding on to the ladder, and so the ladder was going with Bailey. And then Bianca did the KOD, and so the ladder went over, and then Bailey landed on the ladder. That was interesting because I don't think I've ever seen that before. Yeah, but that's because that's kind of stupid. Most people would have dropped, dropped the, ladder. the ladder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, we—I don't think we mentioned it. There was a run-in by. The the other members of Damage Control. Yes. That was, I mean, as, as much as I bring this up now, it's kind of pointless to do so because it was, it made them look bad. You know, they're the tag team champs, and Bianca handled them very easily. All three of them. So. At once, pretty much. Including doing the double KOD. So she put both members of... The tag, uh, so that's EO Sky and Dakota, Dakota Kai, because you gotta make sure you say their names right. Because even Bailey screwed up saying their names, if you remember that one. Yeah, <clears throat> but she grabbed both of them in an awkwardly long attempt to get both of them onto her shoulders and then put them both in the KOD and uh, basically made them look like garbage. Yeah. But uh, Bianca Belair raced up, grabbed the belt, and retains the WWE Raw Women's Championship in 16 minutes, 40 seconds. Long enough. Mm -hmm. Again, I wasn't, uh, you know, just a quick spoiler. If you uh, haven't gone back and watched the episode from WWE's Saturday night's main event yet, from when they were in Bismarck, but that match was not good. When they were here, Bianca did a lot, very talented. Bailey had a couple good spots. And I mean, at times Tamina even did all right, but it was just botch heavy and kind of awkward to sit through. Mm -hmm. All right. Any uh, closing thoughts on that before we flip the page? I think we've, uh, I think we've hammered that one home. All right. Again, DraftKings promo because he couldn't remember it from every other live pre premium live event that we've seen or pay-per-view because it's on both brands now, both products. 
And then a Roman Reigns promo. A Monday Night Raw promo. What's coming up this Monday for the season premiere of Monday Night Raw. And then as they're discussing uh, Philadelphia, because this takes place in the city of non-brotherly love, uh, the normal video of different shots of what happens in the area, whether it's the sports teams or iconic places. And then it cuts to some shitty cell phone video from outside the arena showing somebody dressed in a bunny costume for five seconds. And then they cut into the ring like nothing happened. Mm -hmm. I wonder what they're doing. Yep. Next up, the I quit match. I was really hoping that we wouldn't have to sit through an I quit match on the same card of a strap match. But here we are. It's happening, and it's extremely boring. I mean, it could be worse. Could be another strap match. Mm -hmm. Or it could be an ambulance match. I almost would have went with the ambulance match because at least they'd have some lights to turn on. <laughs> Something flashy on the screen. <clears throat> but uh, the next one, I didn't even realize this because I think I zoned out for half of it. This match is 29 minutes, 55 seconds. This one went a long time. And this features Finn Balor and Edge. Of course, Finn Balor with Judgment Day. Gee, I wonder, in an I Quit match where there's no, no disqualification and really no rules aside from making your opponent say that, you, that they quit, I wonder who's going to interfere. Yeah. At some point, right? And uh, was it before the match that I mentioned it, or was it during the match that I I was like, uh, I think it was before because I was picking uh, who to choose, right? Yep. And uh, we both picked Finn Balor, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, Balor fan and really a small proportion that Edge could win out, out of this. And I threw out the possibility of Edge's family being involved in some form that would then make Edge say he quits. Because he said, I'm never saying I quit. There's no way in hell I'm saying I quit. You can't make me say it. Blah, blah, blah. So, interesting thing there. We start... Edge comes to the arena first and almost takes out one of the production guys. <laughs> he, uh, the production guy tried to, I don't know, get out of the shot or something, but he was in the middle of the shot and just looked super awkward like he was in the Matrix. Yeah. It, it was interesting. Uh, and then <clears throat> the uh, lights go down like it typically does for the Judgment Day entrance and some new music hits and the smoke and everything. And it's Finn Balor coming out by himself. Just some shitty new music that's been remixed. And a BDSM mask. I don't know if it was that, but it was <laughs> definitely a spike the helmet mask thing that... 
Yeah, it was weird. Mm-hmm. My take on the music, I, I just just keep his old music. His old music is great. Leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Stop screwing with it. Or he's the demon, and then use the demon music. Stop screwing with things. Leave it alone. But to me, they made it sound like a shitty remix between his old music and the Street Profits theme. I don't know if you kind of... I mean, go back and listen to it if you want, but uh, I kind of got that feel with like the horns and how they tried to make it more hip-hop feel almost. I'm like, why? Dude's from the UK, not the Bronx. Yeah, he's a villain, but... You don't have to go that far. Use the demon music. Like that's yeah. like evil sounding. Whatever. As they say, get on with it. So, your thoughts as we start out this rousing match. You know, uh, this match probably could have been cut in half and would have been just as successful. Um there was there was some good stuff in it. I, I think that. I think it suffered from being an I quit match. I think you and I both find those annoying because it's a lot of rough. Uh, 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, You're like, like grunting and, and panting. This is your match. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing when they've done a lot of like I can understand it like later, like in the match, towards the end, where they are asking a bit more constantly. But it's when they first start off and it's like, haha, I I put you in a you know basic hold. You quit. I hit you once. Do you quit? You know, oh you tripped coming up the stairs. Do you quit? <laughs> you know, it's it's like every move, it's uh, uh no. No. <laughs> if I say yes, will you stop asking? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, but the match is over. Well, well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I will say these guys did a better job. They did go out into the crowd. Yes. But they actually did stuff out there. There was beer flying. There was like popcorn flying. Yeah, they, they made it up to uh, one of the vomitoriums and yes. had some had some action up there. Uh, you know, so, the, the people were in section uh, 110 and 111 got got a show right there because of that sweet move that uh, Finn Balor like, came jumping toward Edge and Edge grabbed him and then pulled him back and smoked him into the top where the exit sign is and then like dropped him. That would have hurt. Yeah. Like that was a good move. It was. The CCM hockey stick. Yep, we saw that uh make an appearance. We saw them had, mm-hmm. you know try a submission hold on top of the kickoff show desk. Yeah, we got to see what's behind the kickoff desk <laughs> with the monitors and the table and, and the, the, the clear plexiglass. Yeah. Wow, behind the scenes. Yeah, so uh, we got to see some stuff, but for the most part, the beginning half of the match was Edge versus Balor, and then the Judgment Day eventually comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of just beat down on Edge. Eventually, Rhea Ripley 
handcuffs him to the ring. Top rope. Yep. They, they all start beating on him. He still doesn't. Beth Phoenix makes a run out to save. Mm -hmm. uh, ends up doing battle with Rhea Ripley. Gets the key. Unlocks Edge. Uh, yep. But uh, then... Corey Graves also had a, a good Philadelphia Flyers dig that he worked in. Yeah. Apparently not a Flyers fan, and we aren't either, because they're the Philadelphia Flyers, not your Colorado Avalanche, and they fired Dave Haxtell. So there's that. Um, let's see. The apron spot. That was a repeat spot from the Liv Morgan Ronda Rousey where uh, they come sliding through the ring and the opponent pulls out the apron from around the ring, so they fall between the apron and get trapped momentarily and then, you know, get beat up because they're that, you know, I don't know, dumb. Yeah. Um, let's see. The attempted spear, but uh, Edge missed and ended up hitting the railing up there, hit his, hit his little Edge bits, mm -hmm. and then walked back down and then uh, got beat up. And then, as you mentioned with everybody from judgment day coming out and ganging up on them and edge trying to get, uh, <clears throat> get a, a little bit of a headway there, um, including where he was able to get Damian priest and Finn out of the ring. And then as D Damian was there, and not Damien, Dominic, the other D, D-bag. Uh, uh, basically, he goes to try and shake Edge's hand, and then Edge low blows him and puts him up against the ropes and spears him through the ropes uh, and then onto the rest of the Judgment Day. Like, that was a good spot. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed that. But like you said, Beth Phoenix shows up, Grabs a kendo stick, clears people out, gets Edge out of the, the handcuffs. And uh, this is where the, the spot with Dominic comes up with the low blow and the spear. Uh, Beth ends up grabbing a chair, but uh, brings it into the ring. Edge knocks off the bottom bar, support bar, uh, like he's done before to like put him in the cross face. But they get knocked out and get quad teamed. So then this is where edge gets pulled back and Beth is essentially helpless on the ground. Cause she got beat up uh, with brass knuckles. She got knocked out from Rhea Ripley. The other three have edge and, they're like, you better, you better say that you quit. And he goes, hell no. And so then, uh, that's when Rhea grabs the, the other chairs, puts a chair under Beth's head and has the other chairs. Cause she's going to do a concerto. And, uh, they're, they're telling edge, you better do it. You better, you better say that you quit and you're going to do it. And, uh, so then he finally says, I quit. And then Rhea Ripley Hits Beth with the concerto anyway, and they all leave. Again, 29 minutes, 55 seconds, half an hour of our lives of match number five. Yeah. I, I mean, 
not as bad as some of the matches that came before it, but it was really long and just again being an I quit match and not being a fans of that. I I was kind of glad when this one was over. Yeah. Yeah, me too. The final match. This one is the fight pit match with Daniel Cormier. Is that how you say his name? <laughs> DC. He's the special guest referee for this match. Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle. This one has been boiling over, and so I feel that this match applies because the two of them have been going at each other. We talk about my family, I talk about your family. We talk about my family, I talk about your family, and you little bitch, and I'm gonna beat you up, etc. So, yeah. lots of build up to this. So I feel that it fit, even though they haven't had another extreme type match leading up to this. I, you know, I, I think so because I think this is supposed to be the blow off, and mm -hmm. perfect way to do a blow off is in this fight pit format, which Riddle helped create. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it has appeared on NXT Takeover in the past. So this is the first time, though, that it's being used on the main roster. So I picked Rollins. Yeah, I also picked Rollins, but I picked Rollins uh, because they were advertising earlier that his on Monday he's got a title shot for the U.S. Uh, title against Bobby Lashley. Mm -hmm. If you want to make that believable, it makes sense to have him win this and be an actual threat. Momentum. Yep. Into the next one. <clears throat> so, 16 minutes, 35 seconds of this match, and we're off. Because uh, I should mention that we had a Charlotte promo before this, so Charlotte will be coming back here whenever. Yeah. And then uh, the, the Miz gets to Triple H's door finally, but uh, Gritty is there and starts beating the crap out of him. Yeah, this is where the Miz actually, because Gritty came in and it tried mm. to give him the shirt again. The Miz attacked him this time. The last time, yeah. the Miz just stormed off. Yeah. Uh, attacks him, and then after he, the Miz finishes beating him up, mm -hmm. uh, the camera switches angles a little bit, and you see that Dexter Loomis is behind him. Dexter chokes out the Miz, yeah. and then helps Gritty up, and, and Gritty they... takes one last kick to the Miz, and the two of them walk Still off. cheap shot. Yeah. Alright. So, we're into the fight pit. Riddle's out first. <clears throat> throws, uh, and sandals and whatnot, and you get the doves flying off. And then Rollins heads out to the ring, and his gear is apparently a tribute to RVD. Slow start to this one. Um, Yeah, not too slow. Immediately. Yeah. Immediately slow, as they're like kind of feeling each other out, it seems. Yeah. And then, then it started to pick up. Get up to the upper level. Down, up, down. I enjoyed that part where there's the two levels of it. And that's open so you can see what's going on from both the camera's perspective, but also if you're a fan in the arena, you're not blocked by that stupid, gaudy 
glowing red piece of shit cage that they have. Yeah. Hate the red cage. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, the lighting is still bizarre. And I, I pointed it out because they're in the middle of the ring and there's a huge shadow there, even though they have additional LED lighting to illuminate the inside. So apparently they need to get more lights top down to help get rid of it because the shadow was kind of distracting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some other interesting spots. We saw um, Riddle basically, I say jump off the cage. Um, basically, he used the cage for leverage. He kind of jumped up, pushed off of it, um, and hit uh, Rollins. Immediately got on top, was was throwing punches <clears throat> down. Uh, DC comes in to kind of, hey, 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 and Riddle ends up hitting him with his elbow on the backswing, and DC picks him up and throws him, and a little bit later, Rollins, I I missed that part, whether he said something or did something, but DC then got in his face too. So he was doing his best to be... Calling it down the middle. Yeah. <laughs> so you had that. He did okay you know, with his roughing. Mm -hmm. um, a little slow to get to the count sometimes. and Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, there were some good spots. The RKO up on top where mm -hmm. then... Rollins rolled off. Uh, you had Matt Riddle do the big splash off of there. Um, yeah, the the uh, uh, bro. The hell did he call it? The I got it somewhere. The floating bro is what it was. Yeah, the floating bro. <clears throat> so that that was kind of cool, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right. You like watching wrestling too, don't you? Yeah, you don't have. He's Ryan's a little shy. It's all right, but he likes watching wrestling with me, don't you? Especially the premium live events, right? <laughs> you like watching the premium live events, or do you like watching the AEW pay per views better? Which one? Oh, okay. <laughs> that must be a, he's just a fan to watch all of them. More of a, don't put me on the spot, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right. Um, yes, the uh, RKR, RKO out of nowhere, and uh, where the, they both ended up going down, and uh, a pretty cool ending to it with uh, Riddle getting Rollins into the triangle submission. And then Rollins picking him up and trying to, I don't know, do a, like a, a power bomb or something like that, but just fading and then basically being done, not having the, the energy to continue or whatnot. And then uh, Riddle getting the submission win over Rollins. Yeah, Rollins tapping. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, though, with that kidder, I, this one was probably my second favorite match on the card and I actually wanted this one to go a bit longer. I felt a little robbed. It felt like it ended too soon. Yeah. I I think part of it was cuz of the the excitement of the fight pit. I wanted to see them do a bit more with it yeah. and so it was kind of like, "Oh, we're done already." Okay. I felt that too, especially with how long the match before it went. I mean, almost double the time, right? So they could have made that one shorter made this one longer, or even just made this one longer after it. 
because being Saturday night and uh, not unlike AEW that likes to go till 1130 central time and finish, even though they could start it, I don't know, two hours earlier and be done at 10. That would be cool too. But uh, with this, yes, a little bit longer, do a couple more spots and, and they have the chemistry where they could have done a few more awesome things, but you know, I think uh, what followed kind of overshadowed the rest of it anyway. So maybe they felt that they did well enough with it. It was at that point where you don't want to drag it out, maybe feel like it's continuing and dragging, but it could have been a little bit longer. Yeah. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah. In the production aspect, I ended up finding the post. So the first match on the card, Brawling Brutes versus Imperium, was produced by Abyss. Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey match was produced by Tyson Kidd. The strap match with Drew McIntyre carrying Cross produced by Michael uh, P.S. Michael Hayes. The ladder match with Bianca Belair and Bailey produced by Petey Williams. The I Quit match with Edge and Finn Balor, produced by Jamie Noble. Yes, it's good to see that Jamie Noble is still employed. And the Fight Pit match with Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins, produced by WWE official Adam Pearce. So, good one on him and uh, the source of that information, Fightful. Thanks for that info, Fightful. A quick shout out as we like to make sure we give credit where credit is due, damn it. Yeah. And speaking of credit, the credits came up. The copyright was there at the end of the show. You know, is that the end of the show or or is it? Yeah. Apparently not. Yeah. So being that this is the Triple H era and he has he did do this with several NXT takeovers um, where the little bug pops up at the end to say the credits, but it continues on and the lights go out. We start hearing uh, the classic Bray Wyatt voice singing. He's got the whole world in his hands. And it's interesting because you see all the the phones going up, Mm -hmm. the lights go up, Mm -hmm. but they they put up this long (coughs) shot of kind of the arena. And then they start zooming in to different spots and you're seeing all of the the Bray Wyatt characters. So you're mm-hmm. seeing uh, the pig. Huskus the pig. Huskus the pig. Uh, then you see uh, Mercy, the buzzard. Yep. Um, the rambling rabbit. Yep, the rambling rabbit. Sister Abigail is in there. Abby the witch. Yep. Um, we get... The, uh, the burnt fiend mask. Yep, the burnt fiend mask. On the commentary table. Yeah, which got a good freak out from Cole and mm-hmm. Graves. Oh, my God. <laughs> we then got The Fiend. Yeah, at the barricade. Yeah, at the barricade. And then it it kind of cuts to this door on the ramp with a little bit of camo netting out around. Kind of gives mm-hmm. a swampy feel. Mm-hmm. Fog pouring out of the door. Light kind of coming around the seams. That cuts the Firefly Funhouse, which is all dirty and dusty and covered. And cobwebs everywhere. Yep, and you're seeing all of the puppets from the uh, the Firefly Funhouse kind mm-hmm. of spread out, laying there. They're all dusty and 
like they've been there for a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. There was some other stuff and probably if we had time and, and stopped and looked at everything mm -hmm. we'd analyze it, I'm sure people will. Cause there was some, like there was some cardboard up on the door that had some stuff written. The music kind of plays a little bit of the, of the Firefly Funhouse theme, but not mm -hmm. quite. But then it focuses in on the TV and we get this kind of weird masked guy who seems to be saying something. I couldn't quite make out what he was saying, Kidder. I don't know if you could. Kill who killed the world? Yeah. Who killed the world? And it was very, very difficult, I, I guess, to, to us to understand that. Um, because it was very garbled on purpose. Audio and video, the scratchiness of the video with the static and then, then the audio being worked in. But uh, who killed the world? And then it says, we all did. And then, yeah, and then it, it cuts back mm -hmm. to the ramp with the door, as I described earlier. Eventually, the door swings open. We get a bright light shining through, and then mm -hmm. that sits there for a while. And then all of a sudden, we see the lantern appear from this one side of the door. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the figure kind of steps out behind it, and then it walks through the door. And it's the mask that we saw on the TV. A new mask. Yep, it's a new mask. Um, I was trying to think of the, oh, the, the name of it is a, is a takeoff of a very famous, uh, that's used in like V for Vendetta and that guy. Yeah. That mask but it's, it's kind of a little bit more cartoonish in such, mm. but it's, that was at least what it brought it's up. Kind of like me. Vincent Price almost. Yeah. It's not Vincent Price. Mm. Future Howard. There you go. <laughs> and, and there's a picture too. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but figure comes out. That figure pulls off the mask. It's Bray Wyatt. <clears throat> he says, I'm here and mm -hmm. blows out the lantern. And we get a weird symbol then that pops up. The new logo. The new logo. And then that's it. And then that the old Wyatt family drip yep. sound. We got that. And it's like a, an upside-down moth with a skull. Red, red circle around it. Very interesting as we take a quick look. There's a, a little bit better better look at it. But it's, it's almost like a lightning bug. Uh, well, it would be a firefly. A moth. Firefly Funhouse. Yep, there you go. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say we're the first to crack that. I, I'm pretty sure somebody... Sorry, very smarter than us has already done that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure. So Kidder, what did you yeah. think of this Bray Wyatt return? I think it was um, pretty obvious from the beginning of when they started to show all of these different clues, the rabbit and, and those sorts of things. And so I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, I was also very interested in how they did it because it wasn't just some cheesy thing. It was actually thought out and done several weeks, I think a month in advance. And the QR codes showed up here and whatnot. Uh, even on SmackDown last night, Triple H was out to open the show. And as he's doing his excited welcome 
he flipped the mic and on the other side of the mic flag was one of the QR codes. So you know that they were they were all in on it, showing it, but what does it mean? Well, I mean, you basically knew what it meant because everybody's putting it together, freeze framing different things. Uh, the biggest clue to me that set it off was the Extreme Rules poster. And in the upper left portion where some of the lines uh, have a different gradient to it, you could see that the lantern was placed in that area, but faint. And of course, some people with a keen eye and a little time blew it up and they could see that it's clearly the Bray Wyatt Lantern. So, I mean, it was all leading to the same thing. I mean, the Lantern, I think, was a bit much of a giveaway because had it not been in there and then all of these other pieces been divulged throughout the next weeks after that, I think it would have been a little bit more fun. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that, although I think there's a lot of people who had a lot of fun looking for this stuff like yep. it, it gave you a reason to watch and that's i said i came down here because this is the thing that was interesting to me because i've been mm -hmm. i've been reading at least about all of the clues and yep. the puzzles and hey i gotta take this phrase and put it into a binary translator i mean yeah. it, it's been a giant kind of scavenger hunt even if it's been pretty clear that it's Bray wyatt for a long time mm -hmm. you know but trying to figure out where and when he's going to show up and you know, some of that. So that was all interesting. And I wanted to see this on how they did it. And it didn't, it was all right. You know, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I liked it. I just wanted something more. I felt like, Hey, we got this then really cool reveal that he's back, but now what are you going to do with him? Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of want to know, you know, it's like, what what you know how does this proceed what what more are we going to get because it yeah. just has felt like this was just a reveal what what are we going to get from him is this going to be more of the classic bray wyatt with maybe a different look is this going to be closer to the fiend and funhouse mm. or is this something new and that's i kind of wanted a bit more of that out yeah. of it so i hope it's more like the old bray wyatt because the fiend well the fiend is well, it's cool. I'm not a huge fan because what do you do with the Fiend? You put him in a match and, and he gets 30 finishers and he gets back up right away. I, and then how do you beat him? I, I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't like I didn't like the match booking of yeah. the Fiend. I loved, though, <laughs> the Firefly Funhouse segments. I thought they were fantastic. I loved the look of the Fiend. And the idea of the fiend, I just think that when they then put him in the ring, it, you know, they yeah. that's where they they blew it because they didn't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And yet, it's it's amazing how many other monsters they can build that come in, hit a move, one, two, three, pin out. You know, I think they made a mistake by putting the title on the fiend. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that, I, I've I've never thought that the Bray Wyatt character needs a title. Yeah, 
you know, I, I don't think he needs it. I think that it's it's <clears throat> better for him to just be this this dark menace that kind of plagues sure you know the wwe i i don't think you need it and especially mm-hmm. when you have the fiend because they put it on the fiend right away then he's like oh now i gotta beat the fiend and it just kind of Bleh. yeah so i wasn't be, the fan of that yeah i mean but i loved the look of the fiend i loved mm-hmm. kind of the gimmick of it i you know the the idea that bray wyatt was now all of a sudden this like happy mr rogers character but then you had this dark. I mean, it was kind of what they do with like Finn Balor does with him and the Demon King, mm-hmm. but like turned up and just, you know, mm-hmm. great character development. Now, if they would book, <laughs> you know, whatever Bray Wyatt does, like they book Finn Balor and the Demon King, and minus the Roman Reigns being the Demon King, because that was bullshit. Um, but otherwise, I. Tell us how you really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how that goes. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I think we both set our piece on that. And um, any final thoughts on the overall show as they, they come back to you? Um, you know, I'm glad I came down because it was always good. It's always good to spend time and watch a wrestling show with you. Mm-hmm. However, I wish that it would have been a little bit better show. I I am leaving a bit disappointed in that. I mean, there were some good matches. Mm-hmm. There there were some excellent things in there, but there was also a lot of bad, and it's just kind of mm-hmm. so. Well, you know, Survivor Series is right around the corner, and I know it's one of your favorites. Yeah, I won't be here for that one, even though they're doing it as war games, mm-hmm. and that would be intriguing. Um, I'll, I'll probably. And there's Crown Jewel right around the corner. Yeah, that too. Yeah, no. Uh, no. Yeah. And then we do have your favorite, the Royal Rumble. That one I might come down for, because mm-hmm. it's the Royal Rumble, and mm-hmm. I do love the Royal Rumble. Everybody who likes good booking and hopes that they do good booking loves the Royal Rumble. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, there. I'm not saying that the Royal Rumble is always great, but it's... I like it because it's a pay-per-view that serves a, a purpose, right? It's it's we're having this because we're going to determine who the number one contender is for WrestleMania, and we're doing it in a spectacular way where it's most of the roster is in. Some surprises will show up. Some, mm-hmm. you know, nostalgic acts will show up, and any of them could win. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that any of them could win, but <laughs> any of them could could win and. And you don't necessarily know. There's there's a bit more mystery to it. It's not like you often go into the rumble and go, well, clearly mm-hmm. it's going to be so and so. Yep. You know, because you usually have at least five or six viable contenders. Yep. And that's what makes the Royal Rumble interesting because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, it could be any of these. Yep. All right. Big toss-up. Right. So it serves a purpose and it develops into something. You know, whereas we get some pay-per-views where it's like, why are we having a pay-per-view? Well, because we do one every month. Mm-hmm. And I especially hate the ones where it's like, hey, it's Hell in a Cell. Remember that big cage that we used to use to blow off of incredibly intense feuds? 
Now we're going to do it every year, and we're going to have to figure out a feud to go in there. Let's hope it's hot. <laughs> so yeah. I'm kind of okay if that one goes away. And then let's paint it bright red. Yeah, let's not get into that aesthetic choice. That was... I know. I, I already said my piece on it earlier. <laughs> <clears throat> Don't need to get me going again. But... As we are on the road to the road of WrestleMania, it's, you know, kind of like the Tuscan Highway. You just kind of take a couple turns and eventually you hit the highway. Or a segment of cheap plugs. We have been talking for quite a while. Gosh, this is like role reversal. <laughs> so, we, so we might as well do that, right? Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode and hopefully every episode of Beer, Blues, and BS. We invite you to visit our website, beerbluesbs.com. Beerbluesbs.com. That's the website that you can visit and see everything about Beer, Blues, and BS. I mean, it's awesome. You can see our merch on there. Pick up a great premium t-shirt at a non-premium price. In fact, did you know, Howard... Maybe we're going to play a little timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly right now by saying, did you know? I know what you're about to say, and here's what I'm going to I'm gonna preempt you, Kidder. Kidder's about to tell you that there's a special discount code on the merch store. Well, you know what? I'm not going to tell you what that code is. The only I will tell you, though, if you actually go to BeerBluesBS.com, click on that merch button, and go to our merch store, there it will tell you the code. So you got to go to know. <laughs> So there. That's a good one. You got to go to know. Yeah. Go to know. Go to know. Go to know. Yeah. So if you go for a time now, there's a special discount code. So mm -hmm. you better go check it out. You know, Christmas is coming up very soon. Yeah. You know, and Howard, the financial advisor, would tell you, you know what? It's best to buy your Christmas gifts early and spread it out so that you're not yes. crammed it all into December. Save that credit card bill a little bit. You don't want to break the bank. Exactly. And 20% off helps. Yeah. That's a good deal. That's a very good deal. And it's at BeerBluesBS.com. Click on merch. Aside from that, if you want to listen to us, we're on every audio platform that's out there, including iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. I think I said that, but we're still on there. Uh, probably doubled it just because. Uh, Stitcher FM, TuneIn, IMDB, and even more. If you have an audio listening service of choice, search Beer, Blues, and BS. Please subscribe for free and help us help you be entertained with a couple good brothers. It's always good to have some good entertainment. Other than that, if you want to watch the video version of this show and see what kind of shenanigans we get into, or even just see what the hell we're talking about, because sometimes it kind of gets out there, well, you can watch our video version on YouTube, and of course that link is on BeerBluesBS.com. BeerBluesBS.com. Other than that, we're on social media, Howard. We're on there. We're posting. We're answering messages. We're talking to the people. Well, you're talking to the people. I don't talk to the people. I mean, I mean, well, because because you talk to the people and people love you. I talk to the people and I get all the weirdos. So, so if you want to message Howard and have some weird questions, I mean, that would be totally cool too. 
because don't, yeah. don't encourage that. Oh, 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 I'm sure future Howard's gonna help you out there somehow. Yeah, he's gonna edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> Message Howard. <laughs> uh, we, we are on the social medias, the Facebooks and the Instagrams of the world. Visit us there, Beer Blues and BS. In fact, if you go to facebook.com slash beerbluesbs, well, that's the direct link to us. If you search on Facebook, you'll find us, Beer Blues and BS. Even, I think, if you type in, like, blues and beers and BS, I think you'll still find us because we're the best one out there and we're really the only one out there. So, Beer Blues and BS, we're out there. Search for us. Facebook and Instagram, please like, subscribe, follow, etc., and, you know, sharing is caring, and we'd appreciate that you share our, our videos, our posts, and whatnot, and help your friends get into the Triple B as well, because sharing is caring. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, we're putting out some some mighty fine content. Oh, yeah. The next three episodes? Awesome. And we want you to be part of them, and we want you to be able to share them with your friends and your families. All of them. Everything in between. So, please. Visit us on the social medias at beerbluesbs.com, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. <sighs> we talked about the merch store. We talked about the website. We talked about the social media. We talked about the audio. We talked about the video. What didn't we talk about, Howard Blues? Well, Kidder, I got one last thing before we sign off. What's that? You should be glad that I wasn't able to get the... Uh Black O'Lantern beer because I won tonight sure. four to three. So mm -hmm. I realized I hadn't said that. I mean, yes, they saw the scoreboard, but you know, if you're one of the audio listeners, I wanted to make sure that we said that in case you had lost track throughout the course of this podcast. If you made it all the That's way good. here, you now know I won. It's very good. Keep them waiting until the last minute. Yeah. And if you made it this far, thank you for listening. I'm going to say future Howard's going to hate it because that means he's got to keep that scoreboard up uh -huh. Uh -huh. a whole lot longer. Right, that's good. That's good. We have room for it. It's not like we, uh, you know, start like a ticker at the bottom and put random things in there throughout the episode because then that would be an extra pain and extra everything. And that'll be the debut of future Kidder taking over the editing. Triple B. Ah, I think I know a way that I can work this in. <laughs> All right. Well, before I get myself into more trouble, he's Howard Blues. And he was here. Here, here. In person. That's awesome. Thanks again for the What's on Taps today. Hey, you're welcome. Appreciate it. Appreciate a good beverage. And if you have some recommendations on what we should be trying on the show, please shoot us a message or leave a comment. And give us some good drink recommendations because we are always looking for something what's on tap. And that's something that I missed because if they want to buy us a beer or buy us around, they can do that at BeerBluesBS.com. Yes, you listening or watching, thank you. And visit BeerBluesBS.com and click the Buy Us a Beer button. And you can even leave us a message and we'll put it up right here at the bottom of the screen. So that's about enough of this. Let's get the hell on out of here. Well, I live here. I got to stay here. Yeah. I, I mean, I do have to drive home. You can you can get the hell out of here. Oh, okay. He's Howard Blues. He's apparently packing it up and heading out. And he's destroying the set. What the hell, man? What the hell? It's all right. You'll forgive me. <laughs> One of these days. I'm the man, the myth, the legend, Mark Kidder. 
Thanks for joining us for this and every edition of Beer Blues and BS. Remember, keep your glass at least half full. There's some free beer tomorrow, and, well, we'll, we'll catch you on down that old dusty Tuscan Highway. Have a good one, and we'll see you on the next episode of Beer Blues and BS. You have been listening to a UA production of Beer, Blues, and BS. If you enjoyed the show, help others find out about it by rating the show or leaving a review at your podcast listening service of choice. Thanks for listening, and may your glass never be empty.